0: Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Scripture reading today will be from verse 12 to the end of the chapter. That's Romans, chapter 5. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, because people sinned even before the law was given, But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not uh, disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to so many, But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads us, leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, Caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus Christ, as Paul writes here. We thank you for his righteousness that covers us. Lord, for our salvation. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for uh, every blessing you've given us. As James tells us, everything good comes from you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to worship your name and to learn a little bit more about you. Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every one of us here today. Help us to focus on that which you would have for us to hear. Lord, I pray for those who are watching at home, online, or even listening to this later on in the week, Lord, that you would again just bless them, bless their hearts. Lord, uh, guide them in whatever struggles that they may be encountering, Lord. Lord, we ask and pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
1: that will pardon and cleanse with particular hymn is found under a heading entitled, Marvelous Grace of Our Wonderful Lord. Grace is one of those characteristics, one of those gifts of God that obviously we see every day, but in reality, I wonder if we pay much attention. It's a great thing. And this passage this morning that Pastor Steve read for you in Romans chapter 5, 12 to 21 is a comparison passage. We know that the Apostle Paul has already established the fact that we're all sinners. Romans three twenty-three: all have fallen short to the glory of God. And then in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Why we were yet sinners, and Christ died for us. And that particular point has been established well from chapter 1 all the way over until we get to this particular passage. All of mankind, born on the face of this earth, No matter what country, what family, what society, what community you may be born into, you are all considered by Scripture born into sin. You can't get away from it. You'd like to, but I will share with you there is a way. And that's what the passage is all about. It compares, if you will, what happened to or how did all of this sin happen? And then God's free gift, grace. As I mentioned last week, we come to a difficult passage in Scripture in which the Apostle Paul is explaining how it is that all men are sinners and how it is that one, by one man's death, an ungodly sinner could be made Right standing before the God of all creation. Some things I need to set the stage for prior to getting into the text, it's this, all of mankind finds themselves in one of two camps. And God looks upon the whole human race as belonging to one of two atoms. There's the first Adam which mankind is declared sinners and are according to scriptures are said to be enemies of God. That's recorded for us in just a few verses prior to verse 12 and verse 10 where it says that we are enemies of God. And we're under the condemnation of God and do not have eternal life according to First John chapter five and verse 12, where it says, "And he who has not the Son of God has not life." In other words, being in the first Adam, which all mankind are born into physically, God looks at mankind as being lost. We're lost. But when a person places their faith in Jesus Christ, who is by scripture referred to in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, as the last Adam, he's described as the one who is the life-giving spirit. And that person is now declared by God as not guilty of condemnation. We call this Saved. In fact, in the scriptures this morning, it gives us five comparisons that we need to consider. The first comparison is this, is that the first Adam was made from earth, but the last Adam came from heaven. You might be wondering about a verse for that. That's in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47. The second comparison is this. The first Adam was the king of the old creation, while the last Adam is king-priest over the new creation, known as his kingdom. The first Adam was tested in a perfect garden and disobeyed God while the last Adam was tested in a terrible wilderness and obeyed God. Even going to the Garden of Gethsemane, it was there that he surrendered his own will to God. The fourth comparison that we can have is the disobedience of the first Adam brought sin condemnation death upon the whole human race but the obedience of the last Adam brought righteousness salvation and life to all who will believe the fifth comparison through the last Adam death and sin reigned in this world But through the last Adam, I'm sorry, the first Adam, death, sin, and reigned in this world. But the last Adam, grace reigns. And believers can reign in life. I've just given you a quick synopsis of this morning's passage. But we need to carefully and correctly journey through these verses and highlight how an ungodly sinner can attain a right standing before God. Let's begin. In your sermon notes, I've only highlighted two main themes of Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. The first theme is described just with the word sin. The second theme comes to us and we appreciate it so much when it says grace. Grace. Sin, grace. In fact, when we get into chapter 6, the thought is, well, if grace reigns greater in the realm of sin, why don't we just go ahead and sin more? Let me ask you a question. Is that something we should do? What did Paul say? God forbid. So we'll get into that next week. But let's look at these passages this morning. Let me first give you a definition of what sin is. Sin is any action that goes against the obedience of God as described in the Word of God. It's any action that goes against the obedience of God as described in the Word of God. there were only two commands from God that were given to Adam in Genesis chapter two. The first command was be fruitful and multiply. There have been people who have accused my wife and I of taking that literally with six children when you're traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast and you stop in a little town in Montana somewhere, I can't even remember where it was, and we walk in and they put us right in the middle of the restaurant with my wife and I and six children. One individual asked us if we were Roman Catholic. (laughs) Be fruitful and multiply. The second command that God gave to Adam and Eve was this. You shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. So sin is best designed, defined as any action that goes against the obedience of God as described in the Word of God. Mankind has a habit of categorizing sins. We've got the real big ones. And then we've got the ones that aren't so bad. And I think that's what we are based upon and we see even in our society being played out is the fact that As long as we don't do the real big ones, we're okay. But remember, every command of God and the willful disobedience of those commands, it is classified as sin. And so when we use the word of God as our measuring stick for righteousness... We find ourselves sometimes like a little boy who came to his father and said, Dad, I'm eight feet tall. The father looked at him and measured him up and said, Son, there's no way you can be eight feet tall. No, Dad, I am eight feet tall. The ruler says I'm eight feet tall. The father smiled and asked his son to show him the ruler. It was a six-inch ruler. I think hopefully you're getting that, that he, he's really only four-foot tall. Can someone help me out with an amen here this morning? <laughs> if you use the wrong standard, then you come up with a wrong conclusion. You'll think you're something that you're not. The Bible says all have sinned. And the only standard that works is the standard that Christ set by living a perfect life. So what the Apostle Paul is teaching here is the unity of the human race in Adam. Acts 17, 26, as the Apostle Paul is speaking to the, at the Areopagus to all of the Greek leaders, he says this, And he, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So when you come to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Paul says, all have sinned. He means that all of us have sinned in Adam when he sinned. We are identified with Adam as the head of the human race and his sin is our sin. His death is our death. It's referred to in theological circles as the federal head of the human race. Which means that Adam is the natural head of the human family. And this is what Paul is saying here that Adam's one act of disobedience plunged the entire offspring of man into sin. We're all sinners because of what Adam did. And when the Apostle Paul wrote, all have sinned, this doesn't mean that we're guilty of a sinful act. Of course, we are guilty. But that is not what the verse is talking about. The verse refers to the fact That we are so vitally connected to the first father, the first Adam of the human race, that before we even had a human nature, before we committed a sin, even before we were born, we are sinners in Adam. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 10, 9 to 10, there's an illustration that is given concerning Levi. Levi. For it says, even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, so he, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. To understand what the writer of Hebrews is talking about, you have to go back to Genesis chapter 14. And in Genesis chapter 14, verses 19 to 20, you catch the context of what the writer of Hebrews is speaking of. Let me paraphrase it for you. Lot, Abraham's nephew, is taken prisoner, and all of his household is taken prisoner by four kings. They come and they do battle against the king of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they ransack Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and then, excuse me, then Lot and his family are taken captive. Abraham gets the news and he asks, first he asks God, will I be successful? God says, go get him, boy. So Abraham goes after Lot and he conquers all of those kings and he gathers from that battle a great gift. And as the king of Sodom says, let me give you more. Abraham said, no, I don't want your blessing because later on you will say, I made Abraham rich by what I did. But Abraham met an individual that we have no idea in Scripture where he came from. His name is Melchizedek. He is the king and priest of Salem. Salem means peace. Peace. And when the king and the prince of peace show up, it says Abraham gave to him a tithe of the spoils of war. Now the writer of Hebrews picks that up, and then in Hebrews chapter 7, he's writing about the Levitical priesthood, the high priest. And he says, even though Levi receives tithes, he paid a tithe, even before he was alive. For he was in the loins of Abraham, who offered to Melchizedek a tithe. Paul is hunkering down on that, realizing that NO, WE WERE NOT THERE PERSONALLY WITH ADAM, BUT WE WERE IN HIS LOINS. HE IS THE BEGINNING OF THE WHOLE HUMAN RACE. AND HIS SIN IS PASSED ON FROM GENERATION TO GENERATIONS. LET ME ASK YOU A CLARIFYING QUESTION. If any of you never disobeyed God, I'd like to see your hands. I didn't think so. I didn't raise mine either. I'm about to put a cough drop in my mouth, but I wanted to make sure you weren't getting the wrong impression that I'm perfect. I, I'm not. And so the Apostle Paul is saying because of what Adam did, that passed on all of human race. Not only that, but you go back to Genesis chapter 3, what Adam did also affected all of creation. That it groans to be set free, Paul says when we get to Romans chapter 10. It groans to be set free. And so with that being said, we understand fully now that as we come to verses 12 to 14, it goes something like this. We all know that a man dies if he disobeys God's law. But there was no law from Adam to Moses, yet men died. We know that Adam died because he disobeyed a divine law. But the generations from Adam to Moses didn't have such a law to disobey. Then death must be from another cause, And that causes Adam's sin. Because we're born in Adam, we inherit his sin and condemnation. As helpless as mankind is, due to the sin of Adam passed on all humankind, now God steps in. And God steps in to provide what is called for us in verse 15 a free gift as an extension of his grace. Now let me give you a definition of the word grace. Grace is the act of God whereby he grants to mankind that which they do not deserve. It is an act of God whereby he grants to mankind that which they do not deserve. Scripture tells us of two kinds of grace. In Matthew 5 and verse 45, it says that the sun rises and sets on both the just and the unjust. And God gives rain to both the just and the unjust. That's called common grace. Everybody has that no matter where you are no matter what country you're born in no matter what community you live in god's common grace is for everybody but then there is what's called saving grace it's what titus tells us in chapter 2 verse 11 for the grace of god that brings salvation has appeared to all men it's a saving grace It's the kind of grace that the Apostle Paul writes for us in Ephesians 2 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone can boast. And so, this free gift is something that we need to get in our minds to realize, dear people, that heaven is a free gift. You can't earn to get a passport. You can't work to get the combination. You can't even attend church enough times to get a pass to get in. It's a free gift. And the free gift is given to us by faith. To those who believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, is what Paul will say later in 1 Corinthians 15, it is the gospel by which you are saved. We're saved, and it's a free gift. Any other way, it's not a free gift. Now that, those two terms together seem to be contrary Because a gift should be free, right? A gift should be free. But when you call it a free gift, it seems to contradict itself. Of course every gift is free. Unless you charge it on your credit card, then it ain't free. You see, this gift is a free gift because it comes from the halls of heaven. God determined it to be that way. You don't have to put it on a credit card. The debt's already been paid. You don't have to save up all year in order to purchase it in a Christmas club because it's already been set aside. All you have to do is believe. And Because we're born in Adam We inherit his sin nature and condemnation. But in God's grace, God has given us the last Adam, a new head, who has by his life and death undone all that Adam did in his sin. Now the Apostle Paul, from verse 15 through the end of the chapter, presents contrasts between salvation... And sin. You ready to go? Verse 15 and 16, the offense versus the free gift. Adam's offense brought condemnation and death, while the free gift of God's grace brings justification and life. Adam's sin, his offense brought condemnation and death. The free gift of God's grace brings justification and life. In verse 17, there's a combination, if you will, or a contrast between death and life. It says in verse 17 that death reigned as king because of Adam. But now believers reign in life. And I want to highlight something for you that maybe you're not quite clear on. We reign in life right now, right here, not just waiting in the future. We have eternal life right now. And for a believer, death is no more than saying goodbye earth and hello glory. We have eternal life right now. And it's all through Christ that we have this abundant life. In verse 18, the contra- contrast is between condemnation and justification. Adam's sin floods the human race into condemnation. Christ's death brings right standing with God Adam hid from God in Christ. We have free access to God. We are not condemned. We have been set free from God's wrath in Christ Jesus. Verse 19. Disobedience versus obedience. Adam disobeyed God and made us all sinners. Christ obeyed God. And through faith in him, we are made righteous in the very presence of God. And in verse 20, law versus grace. God did not give the law to save mankind, but rather to reveal sin. But God's super grace met the demands of the law when Christ died and then supplied what the law could not supply, salvation from sin. And so the whole transaction is summarized in verse 20 when it says, in the new creation, sin no longer reigns, grace does, Death does not reign. Life does. And we reign in life. In Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 it says this, and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Now I have a question. And it's the most important question you will ever be asked in all of your life. And it is this. Are you in Adam, or are you in Christ? Does God see you as lost, or does he recognize you as being found? That's the overriding question. And if I am in Christ, then grace reigns. And I can reign in life through Christ, And sin no longer has me as its slavery. As I told someone just most recently, why do we allow Satan to pull our chain? I've been set free. But if you're in Adam, then sin and death, death does reign in your life. And you're under condemnation. Let me tell you how you can get out from underneath that. It's by believing. By simple faith, trusting in Christ and Christ alone. Falling in his grace. And asking him just to save me, a sinner. And establish me in your righteousness. If you're here this morning and would like to know for sure how you have eternal life, I, I beg you to seek me out. Seek Pastor Steve out, some of the elders, and ask them to share with you how you may know you may have eternal life. I will guarantee you you'll never regret it. Let's pray. Father, beyond our eyesight awaits us a land that is our great hope. It's described in some places of the scriptures, but the full reality of it yet escapes our understanding. We don't know what it is to inhabit a place where sin does not reign. We are not aware of what it is to be able to see our God face to face seated on His throne and His Son, our Savior, seated at the right hand. We can't comprehend that. But the one thing we can comprehend is realizing that yes, we are sinners and we need a savior. And I am so glad that by your grace, you sent to us a free gift. And all we have to do is take it. Oh, Lord God, I ask this morning that if there would be someone here today that is not sure, that is not fully convinced, that may even have questions about their eternal destiny, I ask you, O Heavenly Father, that your spirit would move in their midst and by using your word would convict their hearts that they would realize that they need you as a Savior. Oh, Father, thank you for that free gift. I thank you that we now reign in life and not death. And I can't wait for the day when we see you face to face. But until that time, May we be found faithful. Faithful in living a way that honors you. And I'll be careful to praise you. And thank you in your name. Amen.